0: All right, all right, all right. Welcome Nation. back. If you're a veteran and you're struggling or feel like you are leading a path towards the darkness, stop and think about those who are around you. Think about how they truly value you, how they will miss you. You are not alone. You need to talk to someone. Someone will listen to you. If you feel like you'll be a burden to someone or you don't feel like you should weigh that, put that weight on your inner circle, Call the hotline at nine eighty and take option one. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, thanks for joining us. Please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. It's the underscore Misfit Nation. This will keep you up to date with our latest news, episodes, and of course, our great guests. Of which. Our next guest is an author, coach, trainer, yoga teacher, entrepreneur, and co-founder of Endless Stages. His first entrepreneurial gig was selling blackberry pies door-to-door when he was just six years old. Over the years, he has dabbled more like dove into photography, real estate, option trading, coaching, and yoga. One of his passions is to help as many people as possible get their message, story, and voice out to the world. So, without further ado the misfit nation club was author trainer yoga teacher entrepreneur and co-founder just of endless stages Michael Harris how are you Michael
1: I'm great rich it's wonderful to be here and I was you know I've listened to some of your shows and I was listening to your intro again and I really appreciate what you're doing for um, not just the, the members in service but everybody and the, the veterans and um, I was never able to go into the, the world of the military. I have friends in the military. We're at Bagram in different places. And, um, you know, it's, a, it's because of you and, and all the service people that I get to sit in my living room today and be on this podcast. So I want to give you a big shout out and a thank you, Rich, for what you
0: do. I appreciate that, Michael. Yeah. And I know I just gave a, a quick blurb about your background, uh, if you'd like to expand upon that a little more so people would understand a little better where I was going with not just the Blackberry pies. I mean, that's amazing at <laughs> six years old, hustling at six years old to sell pies. But what what's the rest of your background, Dad? And how did we get to where we are now?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, I want to get to the stories. We touched on that before our call here. Um, I grew up in Portland, Oregon. My, my dad was an entrepreneur. He had several businesses. He had about 100 gas stations and some... Couple heating oil companies. He was essentially an oil dropper, an oil job or middleman, um, you know, buying low, selling high. And so I grew up in that world of of entrepreneurship. And even at six years old, you know, I had this idea because we had all these blackberry bushes, and my mom, you know, made the best pies in the neighborhood. And all my friends, all all the neighbor friends wanted to have Mrs. Harris's blackberry pie. So I made a deal with mom that I'd go around the neighborhood, sell them for a buck. She'd get 50 cents and I'd get 50 cents. I'd pick the berries, she'd bake them and I'd go and sell them. And, you know, I'm, I'm convinced, Rich, that the Girl Scouts stole my line because what's the famous Girl Scout line? It isn't, do you want to buy a box of cookies today? It's how many boxes do you want to sell or do you want to buy? So I was saying that back when I was a kid and see, this was 64. And I was saying, how many pies do you want to buy? Don't you wow. need an extra pie to put in the freezer? You know, <laughs> so I, I, I got that early on and um, went for, from there. You know, dad always said, you know, find something that people want to buy and sell it to them. He says, it's that simple. Don't overcomplicate it. So I, I learned that early on from my dad. Um, And then, as I as I grew a little older, I, I was always really athletic. Uh, we had some property in in the neighborhood, and Dad built a baseball field on our um, on our land for the neighborhood. So it was really nice having that growing up as a kid. And then at 12 years old, I was a hotshot water skier, and I ended up. Uh, hitting the beach a little bit too hard, doing a beach landing one day. And I had 60% of my liver removed, 21 blood blood transfusions, coma, a near-death experience, died and came back. And this is where the story part starts, Rich, because I became really angry. And, you know, I, I went from this 12-year-old, really active kid to, feeling like I wasn't worth anything and my self-esteem was, you know, lower than the concrete, you know, lower than the blacktop and just really struggled. And I ended up diving a lot into uh, drinking and some drugs and going down that route because it made me feel all powerful, all strong. And, you know, it was covering up all those insecurities and all that self-doubt that I had. And I got into a little bit of trouble, not not a lot. I probably got away with more than what I got in trouble for, but um, ended up with a couple of DUIs and, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, I'm kind of making a longer story shorter here, Rich, but at, uh, in 1986, I ended up with Uh, peripheral vascular disease. I could barely walk. I showed up at the hospital at OHSU, Oregon Health Sciences University, and they told me that they might have to cut my right leg off and my left foot because my right leg had blocked 100%. My left leg was blocked 65%, the popliteal arteries in my legs. I could barely walk. Wow. And uh, I told them in no uncertain uh, terms, you know, I said, F you, you're not taking my legs. It's not going to happen. But they ended up doing a bypass surgery on both my legs, which helped. They wanted to do more surgery. And that's where I really refused. And I walked out AMA against medical advice. I don't, I don't know whether I was <laughs> stubborn at the time, Rich, or... There was something bigger for me, but I knew that I couldn't keep having surgeries. You know, yep. and um that's really where things began to change. You know, I I had a doctor, another doctor at a rehabilitation center down in Santa Monica, I was living in Portland. I found out about this place. I went down there. Um and he said, just get up and walk. And I said, well, what do you mean? It hurts. And he says, yes, I know it hurts. Just get up and walk. So I, he said, go out on the boardwalk, since it was right there on the beach between Santa Monica Pier and Venice Beach, Marina Del Rey. And he said, just start walking. Well, at the time, I could walk about 10 feet, oh, literally wow. about 10 feet before I had to stop. But there was something that was going on down there, Rich, at the beach that kind of motivated me, and it was called Girls on Rollerblades, (laughs) (laughs) right? You know, they're up and down the the boardwalk, you know? know, This is 1987, and I'm thinking, wow, this is pretty great. I'm going to stand up tall. I'm going to walk tall. I didn't want to be the 97-pound weakling on the beach. I didn't want the sand kicked in my face, right? So within two weeks, I was walking two miles without my cane. I mean, it happened that fast. And so I started getting some of that self-esteem. I mean, I was still struggling with it, but I certainly felt a lot better because, again, I mean, I was really in the dumps, you know, and I, I can't imagine, you know, what you know, our service members have gone to that have been in Iraq or Afghanistan or or other locations that have experienced what they've experienced. I consider what I've experienced more like a, you know, getting scratched maybe a little bit by the blackberries, you know, compared to what what I know goes on in um, uh, the different theaters and everything that's going on out there. And so even though I've had my own experience, I still kind of look at it like, oh yeah, but this person got their leg blown off, you know, or something like that, you know, IED or what you know the, the you know just all that and I can't imagine that and um, over the years, you know I've you mentioned that I'm a yoga teacher as part of my process, I ended up, teaching yoga starting in in the early nineties, ended up with a couple yoga studios and always let the veterans come in at no charge. And, um, for the main reason of, you know, the service that everybody's provided that they were, were given. And I knew that the minds were struggling, you know, the PTSD and, and everything else. And, um, Feeling unworthy at times, feeling rejected by the public. And it's just like, it makes me upset when the public rejects service members. It doesn't matter what the politics are, right? Right. I mean, it's out on the front line. And it's, again, protecting this, that I can talk into this microphone with Uh, Freedom and talk about anything I want. And that's not allowed everywhere in the world. You even say the word war in some countries, you're going to jail for 15 years. You know, that's bullshit. Excuse my language, but I think I can say that on this show. Yes, you can. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so (laughs) this idea of story came to me, and somebody kept telling me that I should write my story. So you know, my my first book that I wrote, Falling Down, Getting Up, was really about my water skiing accident, my um, alcoholism and addiction, and about my peripheral vascular disease in my legs. First part of the book is that, and then the last part of the book is really about what I did to get past it, how I rebuilt my self-esteem, how I rebuilt my life how I got my life back. And I really, by going through the process of writing the story, I learned the power of story, you know, and the power of, of getting our voice out, the power of other people listening. You know, it's there was things I wrote in the book that I typically don't tell people, yes. you know, on, on an everyday basis. By, but even by releasing that, It's just like, I don't care what people think about me, you know, right? It's none of my business what somebody else thinks of me. It's my business, what I think of me, you know? Exactly. And I didn't like, you know, living in the pits of hell, you know, and and my hell anyway, you know, and, um, you know, especially the the drinking and, and all of that. And I'm blessed. I mean, I've been sober rich since... 1988 you know i'm coming up on 34 years next month and you know it's just a sheer blessing that i'm still here that i'm still alive that you know the couple of times that i came close and my brush with deaths um that i'm still here why the hell am i still here
0: there's a purpose yeah <laughs> definitely yeah yeah, yeah. You- you started off. I mean, everything you've been through is—it's amazing. I mean, the, seeing how many how many gas stations your dad had, and uh, what you did on top of that with the BlackBerry. Still, the BlackBerry mm-hmm. thing is amazing to me. And that's—I think—that's a good uh, shoe in there for the stories. And as we talked in the earlier before the show, we talked about why I started this show to get the stories off mm-hmm. of veteran's chest. And a lot of them, like I also told you, are kind of they are ashamed of what they did, or they're scared mm-hmm. to let it out there. They're scared to. Yeah. Let it out for fear of what others think. Just like what you just said, stop worrying about the other side saying and thinking about you and just let it out. Yeah. If you let it out, that burden comes off that chest. And I think what you do to help people is amazing to let that happen. And I think you can actually help a lot of people in the audience to, with some tips and tricks to get it out of their system as well.
1: Yeah. Well, you, you know, I ended up writing a book about it. But before I got there, I was talking to some friends and you know, I was I was part of a I got involved in in a men's group that was really powerful um that we met for seven or eight years, quite a while. And we'd get together every single week and we would talk about it. And there was, you know, a collection of different people in there. There was, you know, addiction stuff. There was people from the military. There was people that were struggling with different things. So it wasn't just one thing but it was men coming together and being able to relate to each other with with their stories and you know like i heard you say i mean when we hold it in i mean it struggles more when we get it out it tends to release that energy you know cuz it grabs a hold of us and you know it's said that we have issues in our tissues you know and you know those issues causes problems you know it's PTSD, it causes us back pain, it causes us emotional pain, depression, anxiety, you know, the whole nine yards. So the the more that we can get it out, even though it's difficult at first, I mean, it's like, you know, pushing a boulder that weighs a couple of tons, you can't even budget. But once you start moving it, then it takes on, you know, this life where it starts to move away. And it's, you know, our life starts to get better. and We're not carrying those burdens. In the same way that we were before
0: right and it took a once i knew once i admitted that i had uh, ptsd issues and finally went to get help it took probably three different tries to find that right fit to get help so Mm -hmm. i didn't want medication i didn't want someone just to sit there and tell me i know how you feel i want someone to actually just listen to me and i found the doctor that did that and he had me relive every event that i've been through Mm -hmm that helps more than I ever thought anything would ever help. Okay. I walked out there like I was walking on air, just walking out every time each yeah. day, each day we do one story. And by the time I was done, I, was, I said, I'm good. Yeah. I feel 100% better now. Thank you, brother. That yeah. It. Yeah. And
1: then that, that's a huge Testament to what happens, you know, when, when we are able to find that, that place to just let it go. And you know, like you said in your case, having having to go through and relive some of your experience. Right. You know, I I can't imagine, you know, some you know, what goes on. I mean, I, all as I know is what I see on the news. Right. <laughs> you know, and what some of my friends have told me. I mean like my friend, I mean, she's a captain in the air force and we like said she was at Bagram and you know, she told me some of the stories and Um, you know, she had done some intelligence stuff and some other things, and um, you know, it's like I said, I can't imagine it.
0: And no two people experience something the same way either. So even the your near near death experiences you had, someone else could have went through the same thing and just quit. Yeah, because they didn't have the mindset, or like you said, you were stubborn. But it's a mindset thing. It's not stubbornness. It's a mindset thing that pushed you to say, hey. I'm not ready to just give up right now. I'm moving forward. And some other people would not move forward at that point.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I've I've talked to a lot of people that, um, you know, been through a lot. And, you know, of course, suicide's a big issue and suicide awareness. And um, certainly I've had friends that have taken their own lives, you know, sadly taken their own lives. And, you know, I've come to a place even with that a really much deeper understanding, you know, we can die of cancer, we can die of heart disease. Um, you know, yes, suicide taking our own life, but I don't blame anybody for doing it. You know, just like I can't blame anybody for having cancer. Right. Right. I mean, it, it happens. And, um, you know, when we pass and the, the day that I pass, or anybody else that's struggling with, with something, in a way it's the final cure. But that doesn't mean that I want to go before I die in its natural course of events. You know, whether it's old age or car accident or getting hit by a comet. I mean, I don't know. None of us really know <laughs> how we're going to go. Right. In, you know, it's kind of a blessing that we don't
0: know. Exactly. I mean uh, never thought of getting hit with a comet, but that's a that's, <laughs> a, that's, that's you just don't know. And, mm-hmm. that could happen. It's obviously comets are there and they could happen, or an asteroid can fall, or some piece of metal from a plane can fall out of the sky and next thing you know, your pie on the ground. So
1: Yeah, who who knows? Yeah. Right. Yeah, blackberry pie on
0: the ground. <laughs> <laughs> that's a waste of a perfectly good pie.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Rich. I I, I noticed uh, maybe it's been a month or so ago now where NASA nudged that comet. You know, they sent something up there to see whether they could nudge it. And I don't know if anybody else caught it, but about two weeks after that, they were talking about these three comets that they couldn't see and that they were keeping track of. And I thought, do they know something that we don't know? Right? Right. Was that a big test? But they're not telling us that the big one's coming. You know,
0: and they don't want to put the fear into us yet until right, it's-
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, now when that came across that they were doing us, all I thought about was the movie Armageddon with Bruce Willis and uh, yeah, ben Affleck. yeah. It's, it's, it's real, they're really doing it, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, you know, and it might take a, you know a bunch of people like that to do it,
0: you know, right. So- Bunch of roughnecks going up there. Yeah. Bunch of misfits, so to speak. Right? <laughs> Here, sign this one way contract. You got this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, I would that's, do it. Why not? Like we said, you never know what's going to happen until it happens. That'd be great right. if they did yeah. do it that way. Yeah. So we talked earlier, also in the pre show, about uh, your latest book, the podcast, the Pod Match Guest Mastery, which just came out uh, last month. Uh, congratulations on that as well. Thank uh, you. Do you want to show that and maybe talk about that a little bit and what yeah, inspired you
1: one of the things it's, it's actually my third book was was this Podmatch guest mastery and i was really blessed to be asked to be one of the authors of that book there are 16 authors in that book and it's the book is really all about getting your message and story to the world and you know, we touched on this a little while ago. It's like I have this huge passion for getting our stories out because maybe my story will help somebody, you know, maybe one of your um, other guest stories will help somebody. Somebody won't be helped by mine, but they'll be helped by yours. So I think as much as possible in getting our stories out, the better that we're going to be. And you know, again, you know, I, I look at, you know, what's going on in the world and everything where we some people can't get their message out, can't get their story out or they'll be shot or, or worse. Um, and I just kind of think that we need to push against it. That, you know, this the podcasting is growing exponentially. And, you know, in some ways like COVID, you know, it you know, a lot of people died from it but in some ways it's also brought the world together because all these people are on zoom now all around the world that may not have got together on zoom. Right. Exactly. So, you know, I try to look at that blessing side of it as well. And, you know, what can I do as a human being to help other people? I mean, to, to be of service and stories is one of those. And I, I went through some storytelling at Merrowhurst University, it was Merrowhurst College at the time, and unfortunately, the the school is closed. But um, really learned, you know, kind of the background on storytelling, and how to put some stories together, how to put a short story together, how to put a long story together, how to talk about yourself, how to talk about a passion you have, how to talk about a product you have, how to talk about a business you have, whatever it might be, and. You know, again, and I've I've said this probably five times so far. The more we get our stories out, the better off we are. Whether it's sitting at dinner or having a cup of coffee with a buddy, or getting on podcast or stages or anything else, um, I just you know it's like shouting from the mountaintop. Right. You know, you know, like enough is enough, and I don't know whether the world will ever stop fighting. You know, maybe it's Pollyanna or something, but I like to think that someday maybe we will stop fighting, you
0: know? Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to see it too, but uh, I have a feeling we're not going to see it for a little probably next generation or so. so
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Maybe at that point it'll be a brick a, a brick to someone and say, hey, let's stop doing this and we'll try a different way.
1: Yeah. Well, even, even our, our last um, election, you know, I thought much more was going to, uh, there was going to be more turbulent. And so far, it really hasn't been. Yeah. And so I think some people just, you know, it's just like, you know, hey, let's not be turbulent. Let's just try to get along a little bit somehow.
0: Some, some I mean, everyone has a voice in that you just, if you listen to each other, you're probably talking about the same thing from a different angle. Yep. And if you just sit there and actually listen instead of waiting, just jump in and talk, Yeah, listen to hear instead of listening to speak. And you'll probably understand you're both drinking the same coffee and you can probably move forward together and and get accomplishments in your community. Yeah.
1: Well, which is an interesting thing. What popped up when I heard you say that Rich was, you know, my dad used to say you have two ears and one mouth, listen twice as much as you talk. Right. (laughs) So even talking and storytelling you know a lot of it is listening right <laughs> you know can we as a, as a storyteller can you actually be a good listener can you hear
0: and right. like
1: what you mentioned about um you know reliving much of your stuff and and working with the particular individual is they were listening you you were talking but they were using their ears to help you
0: right and he was just like, I like I'm doing with you take notes, so I didn't mess anything up. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's a good quote. You have two eyes into one mouth. I've never heard it before. <laughs> twice. Two, two ears and one mouth. Yeah. Two ears and one mouth. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's amazing. That's a great quote. And your dad, your dad hit the nail on the head with that one.
1: <laughs> uh, absolutely. He did.
0: Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. great advice right there. And I, in my work office, I had put on the board, uh, listen to hear, not to speak. Cause there'd be so many people mm. trying to one up each other in my office. Yeah. Oh, I heard one word in that sentence. I got to say something that I did 27 years ago to make it better. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. All right. I'm back to work then. Yeah. I, if you don't care about my story, I don't want to listen to yours.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So it's your first time getting on a stage after you, you wrote your story. How did that feel to get up on that stage in front of people and just exhale and talk to a group? You, you
1: know, I can't say that I always liked it because I had that, that fear and that self-doubt. But even though like that early on where I'd have that self-doubt, I would have my confidence this much higher. So the self-doubt, I don't know if it ever goes away, but if I can allow the confidence part of me to be bigger than the self-doubt, then the self-doubt just kind of sits there doesn't do anything it doesn't like bite at me and affect me right cuz you know i'm confident and i take that step forward not sometimes literally but figuratively take that step forward and really trust that everything's going to be okay no matter what you know even if i stumble my words which i have i mean every speaker has stumbled their words one time or the other i don't care who you are or how good of a speaker you think you are you stumble your words it's just the way it is and You know, knowing that as well helps me a lot that, oh, I don't have to be perfect here every time. I can just be me, right? Right. The more me I am, the better off I am.
0: And we're all all human, so we're going to make those errors. We're going to stumble over words. Even if you sit and prepare in front of a mirror for hours or days on end before that big speech, you're still going to get up there and you might catch one person's eye and lock eyes with them and all of a sudden you forget what you're saying at that point. You have to back up and take a drink of water and say, oh, pause and come back or yeah, turn a different direction and speak again. So if yeah. everyone has a tip or trick that they do. What would be some tricks that you have used to get yourself through like the the hurdle like that?
1: <laughs> that that's a, a great question. You know, my, one of my business partners, Sean Tyler Foley, he, he wrote a book. I happened to, oh, I think I have it here. Yeah called the power to speak naked right (laughs) Right. but it's not really about speaking naked and the last thing that i want to do is to look out in the audience and think of them as being naked right Right. you know it's just like oh just look at your audience like they're all naked well i don't want to look at these naked people (laughs) maybe a few of them but for most of them i don't want to look at them Right. right (laughs) <laughs> right so you know it's an interesting question because i have prepared lots of talks and i remember one talk that i was doing and they said well can can you submit to us what you're going to say and i says i really can't i don't know what i'm going to say until i get up on the stage and i'm just going to say this is going to be my general topic and you know i've been good at that topic in." when I got up, then I was just able to talk and let it flow, right? Rather than thinking, oh my gosh, I missed that sentence. I missed a word, you know? So one of the things that I like to do, and I will do this uh, sometimes is like, and I even did this for our show too. And I do this when I'm on podcast. So anybody else that's on podcast might take a note on this. It's like, I went and I actually, I checked out your podcast. I listened to four of your podcasts. You know, I listened to John Richards was talking about a lot of stuff about equity and starting his business and he knew what he was going to talk about. Uh, Matt Sinkovitz, I think is how you say his name. He was talking about porn addiction. Uh, Gina Sircone, which was a yoga teacher, nutritionist. Um, So becoming familiar with your platform and your show helps me understand how better to have a discussion with you when it's our turn. Right. Right. And then, you, you know, make, making a, a few bullet points about maybe a couple of things that I want to drop in and talk about. So knowing the platform where I'm at, knowing what the, the listeners are used to hearing and listening to, and having a few points that, you know, might be helpful
0: definitely i think all that being the preparation portion uh, especially if i'm going to be a guest on the show i'd like to know like you said know how their flow is for one because that you know it adds it to the comfortability of it and makes you more adaptable to it if you understand how they approach it yeah or if if they're just like some some uh, hosts are still getting used to it too so they're going through the the motions of the practicing questions and stuff where my first shows are just like that i just have set questions and then I said, why don't I just listen to what they're saying and come up with more raw questions. Yeah. If you say something, let me jot a note and and do it. And I think that helps me more because I'm understanding where you're coming from at that point as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah, so some preparation, be ready. Let the confidence be bigger than, um, you know, the low self-esteem, you know, keep your chin up. You know, instead of always like looking down like this and trying to talk, you know, keep your chin up just by keeping your chin up. That physical movement will help us.
0: Definitely. Uh, all great tips right there. <laughs> uh, Mister Nation, uh, take heed to these uh, tips when you want to come out and tell your story or even write your story. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Yeah. Build your confidence in what you're doing. And it's your story. You say it however you want to do it. Uh, that's how yes. I Michael thanks for sharing those tips and tricks with us. Where can someone find out more about you and how they can reach out and grab you to come on their show or just to chat with you
1: well the 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 best place to start is just really simple just go to my website michaelbharris.com, and that's Michael B as in book and I'm gonna give your listeners something else and I don't do this in all the shows maybe one out of 10 or something is I have a backlink. You can't find it on the website, but it's michaelbharris.com forward slash book, B-O-O-K. And using that link, you can get download a free copy of my book, The Falling Down, Getting Up uh, book. So if anybody's interested in that, feel free to go in and download it. Um, it's an interesting thing, Rich. I, I find when I do that, People still go out and buy the book, but you know, I don't really, I, I, I have not looked at my royalty statements for about two years. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Right. Right. What, what matters and there's shows like this that are really out there helping so many people that maybe my book will help somebody, you know, right. and if it doesn't help somebody, maybe they can use it to start a campfire.
0: right helping them know right (laughs) in some way you're still helping them at that point today and that's awesome there's a saying we do here we say here is a reach one teach one so no matter how many people are listening if one of them grabs something from what you're saying right now that's a victory for you the victory for our show and it's a victory for the person that understood it and went forward so if we change one person's move movement today that's amazing thank you for everything you shared with us tonight Absolutely. Thank you, Rich. I appreciate being here. Uh, I'll do some outro and then we'll come back and talk again. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. It's themisfitnation.com to catch up on all of our episodes and also to get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling because we are.